0: Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Isn't he a good God? Isn't he a mighty God? It's just a little bit more. We won't just be singing about that. We will be experiencing that because Jesus is coming back for his church. And then he's going to come back after a little bit longer and split the eastern sky. And he's going to make all things right. Mm. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done. I thank you that you are the God that sets all things right. Lord Jesus, you you don't just judge men, but you judge the intentions of the heart. So Lord, I pray that as we go into this, this service, Lord, as we continue in worship through your word, Lord, that you will just transform our hearts that we might stand before you in Jesus Christ, spotless and ready for your return. Father, I pray right now for this morning that you will speak through me. Lord, my words are faulted, my words are messed up. Lord Jesus, I'm a messed up person myself, but Lord, your word is anointed. Lord, I pray right now that you will anoint my words, that it might penetrate the heart with your word and that we walk out of here transformed by who you are, what you wanna do in us and through us, oh God, to reach a world that so desperately needs the hope of salvation found only in Jesus Christ. So, God, I pray for every heart today, whether it's soft, Lord Jesus, and pliable and real, willing to be changed by your word, or whether it's hard, I pray that, that, that you will penetrate it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's a, it's a good day. It's always a good day to gather together in the house of God to worship with the body of Christ. I was talking to a pastor uh, um, across town, Pastor Stephen Morgan, um, this week. And he said something very thought-provoking to me. And uh, basically he was saying all across the world, Christians are willing to face death to gather together. Because they understand. They understand the necessity and the benefit of gathering together with the saints. And, and if you don't like to gather together with the saints, you are going to hate heaven. I'm just, just going to be upfront and honest with you. Because what we just did is just a small glimpse of what we will be doing. And I'm excited. Today, we're continuing in our series, um, What Do You Have to Lose?, and that's a question that we need to be asking ourselves when it comes to stepping out in faith, when it comes to walking in obedience. We need to be asking, what do I have to lose? What do I have to lose to pray for my coworker? What do I have to lose to share my faith? What do I have to lose? You have nothing to lose. And guess what? They might have eternity to gain. And in that, last week we talked about, we, we talked about the Lord really impressed in my heart to call us to, Repent of our unbelief. And repent, and and what I mean is, somewhere along the lines in in the church world, especially in the United States, we we resign to the reality of what we see. And God doesn't call us to walk by what we see, He calls us to walk by faith. And sometimes faith will, will fly in the face of what we see, and oftentimes it does. Faith looks crazy until it happens. I want you to understand that. And God calls us to look crazy until it happens. And and if you're not looking crazy, if you're not walking by faith, you're not declaring things in faith, you're not praying in faith. Um, if like I might have just activated someone's Siri. Sorry. Um if you if you're not doing that, if you're not doing that, we 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 need to reevaluate what, what we're praying for. And because we gotta believe. We got to believe that God still does impossible things. He does. He shows up and he does impossible things all the time. And it's not just in other countries. It's not just in Bible stories. It's not just in history. He wants to do it here and now through his church. And so we need to we need to believe again. We need to believe that God does impossible things. We need to believe that that impossibility is a playground God plays in. With that said, as I was praying this week in here, and I love love the fact that the Lord's asking me to walk this out as I'm doing this, because I wanted to continue with the narrative of, of kind of the transition between Saul and David and stuff like that, but then the Lord really laid on my heart Um, Ephesians chapter 6. And so it was, what do I have to lose? I have nothing to lose to talk about this. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20. And there's some things that I want to pull out here. Um, We are going to look at David for for a moment in the last thought that we're going to give you. But I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. This is something for us today. Because right now what's happening is, The enemy is trying to paint a picture of who our enemy is. And he's trying to paint everyone else's face on our enemy. He wants us to think of people as our enemy. He wants us to think of governments as our enemy. He wants us to think of a physical thing as our enemy. And Paul here in the book of Ephesians, um, right here at the end, he's recalibrating the Christian in Ephesus, in the surrounding area, province, to say, listen, your enemy is not who you think your enemy is. We have a real enemy, and it's not a person. It's not a government official. It's not anything like that. And we, we as a church today, need to get this in our head and know how to pray to move forward to see God sweep this land, not with a political agenda, but with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we, as a church, have got to be praying. And the book of Ephesus really is a call to Christians. Go read it. It's only six chapters. I would challenge you to read it. It's such a good book. But it's a call to Christians to go deeper in their understanding of who Jesus is. Go deeper. Go deeper. And he ends. And I I can tell you this. If you're trying to go deeper in your understanding of Jesus, you need what he ends with. You're going to be doing spiritual warfare. The enemy's going to attack you. You're going to be like, why is everything going bad? Why am I suddenly facing depression? Why is anxiety coming at me? Why why do these people suddenly not like me? Because we have a real enemy that hates your guts. And, (laughs) wow, that's encouraging. Well, it's true. And um, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and i um, starting in verse 10, and I'm going to take in. It says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Like, I, I, I want us to grab a hold of this. Everyone just need, repeat after me. Say, be. Remember that word, Be. That's essential for our, our understanding of this passage. Be strong in the Lord and say, in his, in his mighty power. Put on, in verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all of the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So maybe, you you know, if, if you haven't heard about this, you're new to church, you haven't been to church a lot, there is a real battle going on. Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He did something spiritual. And I got to tell you, as Christians, spiritual realities are the greater realities we live in. Spiritual affects the physical. It's not just um, what we see. What we see is just a glimpse. There is an eternity long after we get done with this physical existence. And so physical realities are affected by spiritual realities. We, we have a real enemy, and Paul is telling us, we don't fight against flesh and blood. If you see someone, obviously, they're going to be made of flesh and blood, and God died for those people, and we hit on that last week. We are the hope of the world, but the, 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 the problem is, Satan likes to paint a picture and say, they're the enemy. Don't like them. Hate them, in fact, because clearly they're sinful. Well, guess what? So are you. And Jesus died for you, and he died for them. And he wants us to paint pictures of people that are enemies. But that's not what we're supposed to do. As I was praying Monday, and the Lord laid this on me, he said, this is what I need you to do. I need you to talk about this. And we got to understand this moving forward, because it's really easy to commit this. Tragedy. And I, I... I would say most of us would be like, yeah, I know. I know this. But the truth is, we do have a real enemy. And he wants to topple us. John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Our enemy, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and give it to the full. So we're going to move forward. Therefore... Whenever the Bible says therefore, you got to ask what it's there for. And he's saying, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor because we're in a fight. We're in a fight, and we need to be armored up. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Resist. James tells us, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's something about when we submit to God, we are strong in God, and we resist, the enemy can't resist. It's, it's a trump card. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. And I made a note in in this verse 15, a a, a, a different understanding of what what the Bible means. For shoes, put on the readiness to preach the good news of the peace of God. It's not just... The peace that comes from the good news, so that you'll be prepared, but it's readiness to preach. We got to, Paul, Paul says in Romans 10, the same author that uh, authored Ephesians, uh, authored this book called Romans, and, and he says in Romans 10, he said, um, How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. There's something about when we go, Jesus says to go into all the world. You can't go if, 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 if your feet aren't ready to proclaim. In addition to this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And this is how Paul says, like, I want you to get this, because he's writing this in prison. And he says, pray also for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. I, I, I threw that in there because I wanted I wanted us to grab the the the, the context. I, I wanted us to grab the, the importance. It's more important that he proclaims the gospel than his freedom. And so often we, when we pray, and I'm not saying these are bad prayers to pray, but we pray for protection. We pray for all these things when missionaries come here. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray that God guards them and everything like that. But if you read the New Testament, there's not really a biblical stance for that. There's a biblical stance to pray for boldness. Boldness to proclaim the gospel. And Paul's saying, I'm in chains preaching the gospel so can you pray that I still have boldness to preach the gospel that doesn't seem to make sense in our American thinking does it we're like man I'm in change like like you go to jail to learn a lesson so you can get out and not do that again but Paul's saying no 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 I'm in jail but pray that I just preach the gospel in jail and so when I get out I can preach the gospel some more And that's, that's the mandate. And so th- there are some things here, though. If, since we're in a battle, how does a Christian do battle? How does a Christian do battle? It's not the way the world does battle. It's not slander. It's not, it's not attack. My dad always used to tell me, when you throw dirt, you lose ground. It's, it's not that way. We do battle on our knees. We do battle in prayer. We do battle. The, the, last week, this is why it's so important to know who God is, that he does impossible things, that we serve a big God that speaks, when God speaks, things happen. Stars come into existence. I mean, I, the universe expands. When God speaks, the, the earth was formed. When God speaks, we come before a God that, that speaks life into death. We come before a God that does impossible, that comes, that provides, that heals, that does all these things. So that's why it's so important to know who God is. So when we do battle, when we go before God in prayer, we're going before knowing who He is. Our enemy wants nothing more for the Christian not to realize who God is. He wants us to to think that God doesn't answer prayer. That's a thing of the past. He wants us to think that that, um, um, you could pray, but you need to pray like, now I lay my, uh, you know, lay me down to sleep or, you know, whatever that prayer is. I've never prayed it. So, um, uh, he wants us to pray those anemic prayers. If that's all you can muster up, go for it. I'm glad that you're at least praying. But the truth is we got to pray like we've never prayed before. We need to pray that lost people come to the realization of the gospel and that the Holy Spirit saves them through Jesus Christ. We need to pray that the church rises up right now and moving forward. We need to pray that we have boldness. This was a prayer request for Paul. He didn't say, pray that I get free of these chains. He said, pray that that I proclaim the gospel boldly. And he, he prayed, and he's telling, he's like, dude, you gotta armor up. We're going into battle, but but there's something that he knew, that we gotta grab a hold of. We gotta know who God is, and we gotta pray. And, and the Lord, the Lord impressed in my heart. Call my people to pray. Call my people to pray. In fact, um, the first 21 days of February, I'm gonna invite you guys to join me. And the staff on 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to do a fast. We do a fast. We, do, we pray all the time. But corporately, there are things that we need to pray for in this nation, in this church. And I'm going to invite you guys, between now and then, be asking, Lord, do you want me to participate in this fast? And if you do, what should I fast? I, I'm asking you guys to do that. And if he says, no, I don't want you to participate, okay, that's between you and God but i'm i'm extending the invitation but there are things that i want us to grab a hold of in this truth out of ephesians 6 and the first thing i want us to think about is before you do you must be before you do you must be American our, our Americanness wants to do like, like it's, it's like inbred in our culture that we're action people like our our nation is a nation of action I love this nation you know the gospel has gone so far because we are a nation of doers but before we can do anything before we put on the armor before we do anything for God we must Be. What did Paul? He said, uh, "You know, let me just read it real quick. Verse ten, a final word: Be strong in the Lord. And being has nothing to do with your doing. Being has nothing to do with your doing. Being is a just a state of being. You just you are, you are." It, and, and this is something so hard. I think that for Christians to calibrate in their mind. But Paul's saying, before you do anything here, before we get into what I'm about to talk about, you need to be strong in the Lord. Understand that your strength does not come from you, because doing makes us doing makes us muster up our own strength. I went hiking the other day with my wife and and my son. And, I, and, and we started walking up a hill, and my son walked almost the whole time, and we got about a third of the way in, and we started walking up a steep hill, and um, he stopped. He was doing, and he was like, like, dad, back. He wanted to get on my back, and I had the hiking pack. And so I took him off, and I put him on, and I'm like, could you not wait to until the top of the hill? like, <laughs> But... You know, he went from doing to just being. And guess what he did? He just sat there in my hiking pack and he didn't have to do a single thing. He just who he was just my son. He was who he was. And he I did all the work. We made it to the top of the hill. I I was his strength. I was the stamina. I was everything. Believe me, my heart rate went up like 190. And he was like, Are you okay? I'm like, Yes. You know, but I I was dying. (laughs) But it was cold. It was all sorts of things. But like, he was—he just was. That's what—that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, be strong in the Lord. Quit trying to do it yourself. Before you do, be strong in God. Lean in on him. Let him be your strength. In In 2 Corinthians, he tells us that when we are weak, then we are strong. My son realized, I can't walk up this hill anymore. I'm too weak. I don't have the stamina for this, Dad. But I know you're strong. So in his weakness, he had strength to overcome the obstacle in front of him. Because he leaned into his daddy. And God's asking us to lean into our daddy. To lean into our father. To lean in. So he's saying, be strong. Just be. Reconcile this. If you're in Christ, all the strength of the resurrection power of God is in you. Just be. Just be in him. Be into your daddy. Be into your father. Be in. And in that... Do. In that do. You know, it's interesting that Paul doesn't take and say, um, go swing a sword. If anything, he says, Pick up the shield of faith so that you might be able to extinguish the fiery arrows of the enemy. There's not one part of this that we actually fight, we just pray. He says, pray in the spirit on all times, but everything else is something for protection. We lean into God and the battle's won. We lean into God and the battle's won. Over and over and over, this plays out throughout scripture. In fact, in 1 Samuel 17, you want to see it play out? It's, it's It's a story of literally David versus Goliath. Because it is a story of David versus Goliath. And everyone else in the whole army was looking. And they said, it says that the the Philistines lined up on one side of the valley. The Israelites lined up on the other side of the valley. And they're ready for war. They're ready to go at it. Go go read it. It's a really cool story. And they're ready to go out. And out of nowhere, this giant comes out, Goliath. and And everyone sees him in Israel. And they get scared. And he makes his boast. He says, send a man out to fight me. This guy's nine foot six. His his armor is 120 pounds. His spear is like a weaver rod. The tip of it's 15 pounds. Dude, this guy was a a stud. And he walks out. And this army that was ready to fight in their doing, in their their strength, suddenly had zero strength. They heard the boast. And he said, I'm going to... I'm not afraid of you, your God. I'm, I'm defying the armies of Israel. And guess what? They're like, yep, and let's go. And they went and hid. The whole army went and hid. Even the king. Because when you stand in your own strength, that's the only thing you're gonna get. You're gonna you're gonna hide because you can't stand up against the enemy we're fighting. But along came this little shepherd boy, probably about 19 years old, not a soldier. But he knew how to be strong through God. And he did what hundreds of thousands of other soldiers couldn't do because he understood something. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But Paul's saying, before you do, be Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's where your strength comes from. You can't stand against temptation. You can't stand against the enemy in your own. It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We stand in God. And that's not something we do. That's just, if you're in Christ, that's who you are. You just be. Be in Christ. You're not the maintainer of your salvation. Christ is. Sometimes, that's probably the number one way we could just be in him. Quit trying to earn your salvation after you get saved. Quit trying to make it up to God. Just be in Christ. The Bible says he who began a good work in us will see it through to completion. He's the maintainer. He's the one that sees it through. You just have to stand in him and grow in him as he works on you. So the second thought I want to leave you with that Paul tells us here. Before you stand you got to put on. Before you stand, put on. Put on the armor so that you can stand. And there's something interesting about the armor. And um, I never thought about this until my mom told me. My mom told me this post-mortem, actually. Um, A couple weeks ago, I was listening to a message of hers. And um, she was talking a little bit about the armor of God. Maybe a month ago, I was listening to it. And she said, I was reading this this week, and I never realized it's about the armor of God. Every piece of the armor of God is Christ. But, whoa, or it's about Christ. Let's, Let's just look at it. The helmet of salvation, our salvation is through our breastplate of righteousness. Our righteousness is through the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, is Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. The gospel is about. What did I miss? Sword of Spirit. Built the truth. The truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the lie. The, like, it's Jesus. What he's saying is before you stand, put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. Quit trying to go out in your own identity. God doesn't sanctify you to make you look like you. Sanctification is a big churchy word that we throw around sometimes. Let me explain it real quick. Sanctification is a lifelong process of the Holy Spirit making you look like Jesus after you accept Jesus. It's not that you'll ever be sinless. It's the fact that as you serve Jesus, you sin less and less over time. So the Holy Spirit doesn't change you to make you more like you. Through Christ... When we accept Jesus, we believe that he's the Son of God, and we allow him to be Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit comes in, and he changes us to be like Jesus. And so Paul is saying, when you put on the armor of God, you are putting on Jesus. And and every armor, every piece of armor does something. Like uh, the helmet of salvation, guarding your mind, reminding you that you are a child of God. The enemy's going to come at you with a false identity every single day. That's what he does. He's literally the accuser of the brethren. We fight a real enemy that hates your guts and wants to remind you everything you've ever done that's wrong. He wants to. He wants to paint a picture of different enemies. He wants you to be the enemy. Oh, you'll never be better. You'll never break this addiction. You'll never get free. You'll never. He'll. He'll say that and he'll put that identity on you. But the helmet of salvation reminds you. You know I'm saved by faith through grace. And that's not from me. It's from God. And I am in Christ. It reminds you who you are. The Bible says that we're more than conquerors. The Bible says we're sons and daughters of God. We're co-heirs with Christ. The helmet of salvation reminds us of that. The breastplate of righteousness. It reminds us that we are righteous not on ourselves, but we're covered. The breastplate's the biggest piece of armor. And we're covered in Christ's righteousness. Your own righteousness is filthy rags before God. But in Christ, we are righteous and have right standing with God. The sword of the Spirit, the only offensive weapon in the whole thing. It's the word of God. When the enemy's coming at you, when he's trying to tempt you, what did Jesus do every single time that he got tempted? He said, for it is written. If Jesus had to go to the word in the midst of a battle, we need to go to the word. That's how he fought. He prayed and he went to the word. He prayed and went to the word. And he renewed himself in the word of God. The shield of faith. The enemy is going to come at you and say, you know what? That diagnosis, it's going to kill you. You know, um, your finances will never be in order. You'll never be able to blah, 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 blah. It's all baloney. Or in Arkansas, balogna. It's it, it's It's baloney. That's that's what the enemy does. The shield of faith allows us to rise up. and says, some translations say fiery darts, other translations say fiery arrows. I don't care. The fact is, we have a weapon to stop projectiles from the enemy from even getting at us. We have a shield of faith saying, you know what, Satan, this might be facts. I am diagnosed, or my finances are right here, or my family isn't saved, or whatever. These might be the facts, but let me tell you some truth in faith that God is my healer, that God is my provider, that God is more than enough, that God is our salvation, and that my children, in faith, will get saved, that my family, like, that's what this, it extinguishes the facts. The enemy loves it when we lean into the facts. He loves it. Because you forget about the truth of God. God's truth trumps life's facts every single time. Every single time. So before you stand, you got to put on so you can stand. Because if you walk out there naked spiritually and try to stand, you will fail. You are going to fail. That's just the truth of it. But when you put on Jesus in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, and you stand in the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power of Christ lives in you, Romans 8 says, you stand in him. All you have to do is stand. And it says when when you've done everything you can to stand, stand firm. Just stand. Be in Christ and stand. Resist the devil, James says, and he will flee from you. Submit yourself then to God. Stand. And the shield of faith and the shield of faith and belt of truth work together. Because God calls us to stand on his truth once we do this, we, we, we're ready. We're ready to proclaim the gospel. We're ready to to move forward. We're ready to pray. He ends, and it's not, it's not one of the armor of God, but he ends with this. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. If you're down in your heart, if you're down in your soul, if you're down in spirit, and you're like, what is going on? I've been there. Dude, this week was one of those weeks for me. And there are two things that rejuvenate your spirit. There are two things that rejuvenate your spirit and realign you. It's the Word of God. Go listen to it, go read it. Listen to large quantities of it. You know, don't just do the verse a day and then go read the chapter around the verse a day. Like, just let the Word of God penetrate your heart. That rejuvenates your spirit. And then praying in the Spirit rejuvenates your spirit. The Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, we pray God's divine will. It rejuvenates you. If you're you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're having those moments right now, read the Bible, listen to the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit. Do it and see if your circumstances won't change or see if your perspective won't change. Before you stand put on, before you stand put on, the last thought I want to leave you with, is before you pray, you must discern. He opens this section of scripture with a series of things that he says we, we battle not against flesh and blood and and he lists out rulers and uh, uh, evil evil things and dark realms like he, he lists all these things out and then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he actually goes on and says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they have divine power to tear down strongholds. So it's, it's through prayer. But before we start praying, we got to discern who the true enemy is. Who the true enemy is. Because, and we need to discern the battle. Some of us are fighting battles that we don't need to fight. Because they're not battles the Lord wants us to fight for we are not in verse 12 it says for we are not standing uh, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places like that means we got to discern we can't see these enemies with our physical eyes but we got to we got to have the, the, the holy spirit help us discern what is god and what is not of god I had, I had a professor at Central Bible College, and he was a missionary uh, in the Ivory Coast of Africa, uh, Mokina Faso. I can't think of his I could think all his stories that he told, but he was a retired missionary. He was, oversaw West African missions for years, and he had some of the craziest stories. He taught this class called Power Encounter Evangelism, and he, he had these stories of casting out demons and healing the science. It was crazy. I loved going to that class. But one thing he said, that I mean, he was late 70s, early 80s, and he said, Ryan, if there's ever a gift that you need to seek from God, from ministry, it's discernment. It's discernment. Like when you look at all the other gifts of the Spirit, and he's telling me to seek this, and that's just stuck with me. Because discernment is so important as a christian and, and i feel like <laughs> we've thrown it out the window we just start believing anything and everything we're tossed back and forth with the winds of doctrine because we listen to preachers more than we get into god's word we listen to people that say what we want them to hear or what we want to hear. Oh, that's encouraging. I like this preacher. I, I, dude, I have a list of people I listen to. Don't get me wrong, but I listen to God's word more. Because I I, I have I have to discern. Like, there are times where I've listened to people and I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to have to listen to that again. I listen to it again. I'm like, nah, uh-uh. And I just turned it off. I'm like, I'm not going to listen to them anymore. Because... In my understanding of scripture, what they just said and what, what I just heard does not coexist. And I prayed about it, but that's what discernment does. Discernment allows you to know whether this is God or not God. And we got to discern who our enemy is because our enemy wants us to, to, to label other things as the enemy. Oh, it's big tech. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. No, 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 no. That's just, the enemy might be using them to mess with us, but the reality is that's not our enemy because God died for them. God wants to reach them. And and this is so important. If we're about to pray, we need to have discernment of how to pray. God, what do you, and, and discernment in your own heart. God, search me. You know me. Lord, if there, is there anything in me that would keep me from being blind to your ways? We need discernment, not to be blind of things that are setting up strongholds in our own lives so we can, so in, in Paul's words, tear them down through our, the weapons of our warfare, through prayer and supplication before God. Before God. David walked into a battle with the giants. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this passage. It's in 1 Samuel 17, and don't worry, you guys don't have it. Um, I, I, I didn't know whether I was going to go here for a moment, but I'm going to. So It says that David said, I'll fight him. He's, he, 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 he steps up to the plate. I'll do this because he's, he's coming against God. David instantly... Like, King Saul was offering a reward. He was saying, hey, I want you, like, whoever goes out and defeats this giant, they'll never pay taxes again. Like, 90% of us would be like, that, that's me, I'm in, like, sign me up. Um, but, actually, you know what, that wasn't tempting enough for him, because no one did it. Now, Goliath was a fierce enemy. It's like, Like, what, like... King Saul promised money. He promised influence. He promised his daughter's hand. He gave a lot of things. He put it on the table. And the problem is, the army was fighting for the same thing the Philistines were fighting for. Physical something or another. Something to benefit them here. But David gets to the show, he wasn't fighting for any of that. He fought because it was the right thing to do. He fought because... This guy, he understood this is not a physical battle. He, he This is a spiritual battle. He's, he's, he, This guy is coming against the armies of God and defying God, the God of Israel. And no one here had a spiritual mind because they were under non-spiritual leadership. King Saul was not a spiritual man. He wasn't listening to the Spirit of God. Or he would have been like, this is a as soon as he made that defiant statement against God, King Saul should have been the one out there because he was supposed to be the leader. But it took a shepherd boy who humbly said, no, this." he he discerned. He discerned that this is not a physical battle, but a spiritual one. And Saul, he never did understand this. He said, okay, you can go fight since you killed a lion. Because you got to understand, David, he was walking in the power of God. He was walking in the, and he said, I'm going to go kill this giant. And Saul's like, what are you joking? You're a shepherd boy. How are you going to do this? He's like, dude, when the bear and the lion came to steal sheep, I, I would snatch the sheep out of the mouth. And if they turned on me, I would grab their jaw and beat them to death. Saul's like, okay, you have my attention. And he said, okay, since so you're going to go, Saul's like, put my armor on. And I, I don't know, I've never read this before, but there's something about, like, the king had his own armor. And if David walked out there in Saul's armor, the army might have thought, wow, Saul's fighting for us. And God wouldn't have got the glory. Saul did, still didn't understand this is, not a, this is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. And David's like, I'm not going to wear this. This is not tried and true. No, it is tried and true, my sling and my staff. This is, this is what God gifted me with. And that's what God's wanting you to stand in. Quit trying to stand in someone else's strength. God wants you to stand in what he's gifted you with and to use your gifts for his kingdom. He says in verse 40, picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. And I'm just gonna read this exchange because I want you to understand. Like, listen, listen for the discernment before the battle. Goliath walked out toward David with the shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come at me with a stick, and he cursed David in the name of his gods. Come over here, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defied. David was on to something. He said, No, this might, this might, this, this might manifest In a physical form, but the spiritual battle is the the greater reality. Because in in, in reality, there's no way a shepherd boy should be able to beat a nine-foot, six-inch giant that is a stud. In fact, when he said, I'm going to go kill this giant to King Saul, Saul says, you are but a youth. And this guy has been a man of war since his youth. The stats don't line up. It would be like a high school team playing the L.A. Lakers. It doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. And then David said, Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Then I will give, you, give the dead body of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know the Lord rescued his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Right from the start, David discerned who the real enemy was. And the real battle that needed to be faced. It wasn't a battle of nations. It was a battle of the devil against the Lord. And he said, no. God is going to prove himself faithful. And we need to discern before we go into battle. Before we go into our prayer closet. Before we, we go into warfare. We need to know who we're fighting against. And we need to discern and stand in the Like David said, get this. He says, he says the Lord will conquer you. Okay? but I will kill you. It was the Lord's battle, but he still had a part to play. This is the Lord's battle. What's happening in our nation is the Lord's battle. It is. But we have a part to play. Our part is to do spiritual warfare. Get in on our knees. And, and like, well, I just had two knee replacements. I can't do that. You know, like, if, if that's you, I'm... Pray. Pray. Lay hold of God and share the gospel. Share the love of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, it's God's loving kindness that draws us to repentance, that draws men to repentance. When they experience the, 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 un, the untethered, the, 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 the true, the raw form of God's love, it draws men to repentance. It changes lives. Changes lives. It says, As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. He still had to fight. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine only with a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. So, the very thing you're battling, (laughs) I want want us to grab a hold of this. As, as, As we're battling... You might not feel adequately adequately equipped. But I'm telling you that God's going to provide what you're going to cut off the head with. He's going to provide it. David didn't even bring a sword to the fight. He brought a stick and a sling. And the enemy brought the very weapon that cut his head off. I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm always surprised and I'm never surprised at the same time of how God uses what the enemy means for bad for good. How God will use the very trap that the enemy spr- set for you and he springs it for his own glory. The very weapon that, David, that Goliath was going to slew David with disconnected Goliath's head from his shoulders. Because that's how God works. God's like, don't worry about King Saul's sword. Don't worry about any of that. He said, "I got a better sword for you, but it's in the hands of the enemy. So don't be discouraged. Don't. God's got you. And I guarantee you, that weapon. It says. It says that um, the weapon might be formed against us, but it might not. We will not prosper. But that weapon might be the very weapon that you use to cut off the enemy. And. Uh, we need to discern before we pray, and Ben, if you, if you will, well, I, I want to give an opportunity here today. We need to pray. There is literally tangible tension in our nation. People are afraid to do things. Um, there, pe- like th- these are literally unprecedented times. Everywhere you look, there. There's, there's something else spewing out. You turn on the TV, like you get on social media, whatever it is, there's something else spewing out at you and the enemy's trying to grab a hold of your attention and wants you to believe that. And I'm here to tell you we have a real enemy. And we need to pray. Last week, we need to believe that God does impossible things. He can... For me, I'm believing that God's going to fill this sanctuary up with drug addicts, with, with alcoholics, and they're going to get saved and transformed by the power of God several times over. I, I believe that. I'm just going to say it in faith. I believe it, because God's a God in the impossible. But it's not enough just to believe. David believed that the battle was the Lord's, but he still ran into battle. He ran in not in his own strength, though, he ran in God, knowing. There's, a, there's just a beautiful confidence about when you stand in God. That, that's, what, that's what Paul is telling us in Ephesians. Stand in Christ. How do we fight? We don't have to put on a sling and a stone or a staff. If you want to, you can. You're going to look crazy. That's fine. But we, we can we stand by getting on our knees and going before God and doing warfare rebuking the enemy Rebuke, like, we have authority in Christ guys get into the word of God let it penetrate your heart get into j- just start praying in the spirit Paul says pray in the spirit at all ki- at all times with all kinds of prayer requests pray pray stand pray listen to God pray stand. that's how we fight that's how we fight but we got to discern the real enemy and maybe you're like I've never really felt discernment or anything like that before in my life I, I don't know ask God say Lord give me a discerning heart that I might know what is from you and what's not from you so I know what to believe and what not to believe man I that that fleshes out in so many different ways but one, one, like a, a, a discerning heart helps you recognize the voice of God. I can't tell you how many stories where a, a student walked up to me and they were saying, uh, pa- Pastor Ryan, uh, I just, I'm struggling with depression. And, and I'm really dealing with this. And they would tell me that. And, and the Lord would instantly just check me. He's like, that's not the, that's not the root. That's not the root of what they're going through. I so said, why, why do you feel this way? And, and then there's an old statement, behind every why there's a lie. And they're not going to tell you because the enemy wants them trapped in shame. And he wants you trapped in shame. And, and, he, and, and the very thing that's really the root of what you're going through is probably not what you would say to other people. It's a cover-up. I know, like, how dare you? I'm just telling you from my experience. And I would say... I would say, okay, um, I'm like, why do you feel was well, my, my grades or my friends, and th- that, that might add to it, but that's not the root. And so, a- as I'm, I'm trying to discern, I'm like, God, how do you want me to do this? I'm trying to listen to the Spirit in this moment as I'm listening to this student so I can help them. And and I, I'm telling you, dozens upon dozens of students would come. And sometimes they would genuinely, I, 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 I would pray, I said, Okay, so-and-so, I'm not going to give any names. I'm like, I'm going to pray for, that you will have boldness right now to overcome your fear. And I want you to truly confess to me what's going on. And they would. And other times, my God, just like, I can't do it. And I'm like, it's all right. I know what's going on. You're dealing with porn. Or you're dealing with this. Or, or you know what, this is happening in your life. And they're just like, like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're having suicidal thoughts because you feel like your life isn't worth living. And they're like, I haven't told anyone I was struggling with that. I had a saleswoman come here once, and she was trying to sell me a printer. But she ended up giving her heart to Jesus because she was dealing with depression. She was dealing with anxiety, and she, she was having suicidal thoughts. And she straight told me, she goes, Ryan, I haven't even told my husband that. And, and we can't know this stuff if we don't have a discerning heart. God, are you? is this you? God, I, I need you to speak to me. I need to know. And you can discern if this is God and this is not God. And then you have to step out in faith. You just do. Every time I've ever done anything like that, it's a step of faith. Oh, here we go. But God's never wrong. Like, in hindsight, God's never wrong. we got to have a discerning heart, church, because we will label the wrong enemy, and we will pray the wrong prayers, and we will fight the wrong battle, because the, the real battle is the Lord's, but I think sometimes we fight a battle that God's like, I'm not interested in fighting that battle. Why are you? Let's fight the real battle, and so what we're going to do today is I'm going to open up the altars. If you need prayer today, if you want me to join in you in, 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 in a need that you need warfare in, I'm going to be up here. If you need Jesus Christ to come into your life and you never accepted Christ, you never accepted salvation, you never believed that Jesus is the Son of God, you never asked Him to forgive your sins, I'm going to be up here. Me and my wife will be up here. But I truly believe the Lord wasn't wrong. And this is me stepping out in faith. This is me saying, what do I have to lose? What do you have to lose in going to warfare and asking the Lord for a spirit of discernment? Asking him to give you discernment to fight the real battle. Because we have a real battle. And, he, and and we have a real enemy that hates your guts. But we have a greater God. Greater is he who is in us and he who is in the world. And you have greater authority than, than his authority. And you don't have to settle for what you see. But you can walk by faith in Christ. And see God do impossible things in your life. It's not just some cliche. It's not, this is the church. This is the truth. And we need to lay hold of it. We need to lay hold of God. We can't go back to how things were. We got to push forward. We can't can't fear the days of small beginnings. We got to push forward. God wants to grow his church. He wants to send his spirit down. He wants to save people. But it starts with the church being the church. Fighting the right battles. Praying the right prayers and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and in in, in discernment. And so, if you need to, treat treat your your seat like an altar. If you need prayer, we will be up here. But what I don't want to do is that the Holy Spirit's working on you, and you know you need to respond, and yet you're listening to fear. This is an opportunity for discernment to be at work. I'm literally giving you opportunity to discern if it's from God and not from God in this response. I can tell you what fear sounds like. Fear sounds usually like stay right where you're at, don't move. What will other people think? And there's always kind of a voice of condemnation that goes with fear. Faith sounds like, okay, God, what what do you want me to do? And I'm going to do it despite what other people think. So let's all stand. I find that it's easier to obey when we're already, we're already moving. And what I want you to do is discern, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in this moment? Do you want me to just pray right here? Do you want me to worship? Do you want me to go forward? Like, I, I'm asking because I want you to move. In me and maybe you're saying Lord another prayer to pray is Lord help me to pray and fight the right battle give me a discerning give me a discerning heart that I might know what's from you and what's not from you so I don't believe the lies of the enemy anymore